TED Audio Collective. And again, like, I'm yeah. not asking for an apology. I Don't worry, I'm not offering one. Okay, great. <laughs> well, then here we are. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. Hey, and welcome to Conversations with People Who Hate Me the show where I turn negative online comments into offline conversations. I'm your host, Dylan Marin. In some episodes, I moderate calls between strangers who clashed online, and other times I speak with folks who said not-so-nice things about me personally. Today, I'm talking to a guy named Ian, who wrote that my work was nauseating. In case you're joining this podcast for the first time, here is some necessary background info. I used to make a video series called Unboxing. It satirized the real unboxing videos where YouTubers open up electronic gadgets on camera, and in my version, instead of unboxing real products, I unboxed intangible ideologies like police brutality, masculinity, and the mistreatment of Native Americans. This series became popular and, by the same token, found some detractors too. That is where Ian comes in. At the time of this recording, he was a college senior who was writing a bi-weekly column for his university's daily newspaper. In one of his op-eds, he wrote about the problem of increasingly partisan media and how he thinks it negatively affects our understanding of current events. In searching for an example of the culprit, he asks his readers, how narrow is your picture of current events if you glean all your opinions from those nauseating unboxing videos with Dylan Marin? The campus newspaper that published this would like to make it clear that these words do not reflect the opinions of the newspaper. And how did I find out about this? Well, embarrassingly, I saw it come up on a Google alert for my name. Yes, you can feel free to judge. So I got in touch with Ian and he agreed to be on this show. What followed was a lovely conversation that turned into an introspective consideration of life after graduation. Let's get started. Hey, is this Ian? Yep, this is this is he. Hey, Ian, this is Dylan Marin. Hey, nice to actually talk to you. <laughs> I, I know, nice to talk to you too. How's your day going so far? Uh, not too bad so far. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been reading pretty dense essay for a philosophy class. Um, it was talking about how two things can explain one thing. Um, unbelievably boring. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's, uh, that's great. Yeah. So Ian, to kind of just kick things off, tell me a little about you. Yeah. Okay. So I'm a senior at Stanford. Mm -hmm. Um, I study philosophy. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm from a very small town in South Carolina. Oh, nice. Uh, so pretty fucking glad to be in California now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Also, you know, not not an easy place to grow up gay in South Carolina, oh. very rural South Carolina. Huh. Um, so that became like a bigger part of my experience, I guess, later yeah. once I started to realize that. Um, 
but definitely, yeah, another compelling reason for me to like get the hell out of there when I went to college. Yeah. That was pretty much my strategy was like, get me somewhere that's not the South. Yeah. Yeah. And I I love it in its way. And I I tell people like, it's a great place to be from and a great place to like visit home, Mm -hmm. but it's not like the place that I want to be, you know? And I kind of knew that from early on. Did you experience homophobia there? Definitely. Yeah. Nothing, nothing like, at least I wasn't like bullied Mm -hmm. per se, like personally, Mm -hmm. like I like to think that I put off an aura and have for a while of like, you know, don't talk to me. Like, don't, Mm. don't mess with me. Mm. Even though I'm not like a imposing, (laughs) I'm not, Mm -hmm. you're, you're revealing right now that you're a bodybuilder. Yes. You're a wrestler, a professional WWE. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Great. (laughs) Yeah. So, so not imposing, but people just didn't fuck with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's still like sort of to my detriment now because I think people get the impression that I'm cold or like, you know, not, not nice, but generally Mm -hmm. it's just like, I don't, if I don't know what to say, I don't say anything. Mm -hmm. And then I'm standing there like stone faced, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, my friends have told me that I have a resting anguish face, which (laughs) I think is pretty accurate. Resting (laughs) anguish face. Kind of like. That's yeah, yeah, wonderful. Like internal turmoil, you know, right, at right, all right. time. Um, and so then you got into Stanford. You went to Stanford. And just for the record, you're comfortable uh, with that being kept in the podcast? Uh, which university yeah, you go absolutely. to? absolutely. Okay, great. Um, yeah, so you got sure. into Stanford, and then you are an op-ed columnist for Stanford's Daily Newspaper. When did that start? I started writing for the Daily uh, beginning of my junior year. Mm-hmm. But I've been interested in writing for a while. Um, I have, you know, opinions that I want to air. And it was, I was like, okay, I can have this, you know, forum to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was my initial reason for wanting to do it. And the more that I've written for the daily, um, the more that I've found, like, there's a specific form that you're writing when you're writing that kind of piece. And it's small and you have to figure out what kind of idea you can work with in that space Mm -hmm. and like what kind of thing you can say. Mm. Um, And so that's, I think what's kept me doing it Yeah, because, you know, I have opinions, but like, that's not necessarily the important part for me now. It's like, this is a, I'm interested in writing and this is an interesting, uh, an interesting form to be writing in still. Well, it's, it's the, also the, structural blessing of deadlines. You know, I think that's how you get to be better at anything is just when you have a ton of deadlines and and your column comes out every Monday, right? Yes. Every, every other Monday, every other Monday. So yeah, yeah, just, just having that regularity is I think how, how we all grow. So I totally get that. Um, So this is a good segue because in a recent op-ed entitled Why Our News Bubbles Just Won't Burst, you wrote, uh, How narrow is your picture of current events if you get all your news from HuffPo, if you glean all your opinions from those nauseating unboxing videos with Dylan Maron? (laughs) So um, nauseating unboxing videos. Why, Why did you write that? Um, so the, the broader context of the piece, I guess, is that, or I was, I was criticizing the fact that most like news outlets kind of present one point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when they say like, you know, fair and balanced say, um, and I found, I made that comment because I find those videos in terms of their tone, mm-hmm. smug, condescending, mm-hmm. um, a bit propagandistic. Um, mm. but at the same time, I should say that my strategy is always kind of say 
say something in the most, in the way that's most likely to offend someone else mm-hmm. or like inflame someone in the mm-hmm. column, because, you know, if that's how I get on a podcast or, mm-hmm. you know, get people writing response mm-hmm. articles, you know, and I'd rather be, I'd rather be crucified by half the campus, but have them paying attention to me than, you know, saying niceties and not really getting anywhere. Huh. But I guess that's interesting because I'm juxtaposing that with what you just said when you were describing yourself, which is that you said you were the type of person who, if you didn't have anything nice to say, you just kind of stayed quiet. So is there a a kind of a discrepancy between the um, IRL Ian and the op-ed Ian? Um, Yeah, I would say, I would say that the person who writes my op-eds is like a persona Mm -hmm. in a certain way Mm -hmm. and obviously based on myself you know Mm -hmm. it's still me writing it Mm -hmm. but it's definitely like i I try to cultivate a certain persona in that that's not exactly who i am in real Mm -hmm. life you know Mm -hmm. but it it feels to me like an interesting way to talk about yeah whatever issue i'm talking about um try to inject some humor Mm -hmm. typically at the expense of you know anyone else (laughs) <laughs> within arm's reach uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. like a lot of stuff that goes into columns is like you know a voice in my head or like a joke that uh-huh. you know i wouldn't necessarily make in in real life but i have this outlet for it that i i feel like it's i can make it useful you uh-huh. know i can make it a part of a larger argument uh-huh. um rather than just you know kind of a sterile like uh-huh. jab at someone well yeah th- i mean you know, calling my videos nauseating definitely wasn't a, a sterile jab. So I guess congratulations, <laughs> you um, you took a jab. Um, I guess why why inject the negativity into it? I'm not criticizing you per se, mm-hmm. except insofar as you make the videos. You know, mm-hmm. I would. To my impression is that you have this persona that you've cultivated in these videos, mm-hmm. and I take that as totally. You know, you're aware of that, mm-hmm. um, and I would assume that's not how you are in normal life. Yeah. Well, um, and so, what I would say, I'm, I'm, I, the reason that I would am negative about it is because I don't like the tone of the work, mm-hmm. um, and it's not meant to be a like teardown of you as a mm-hmm. person. Yeah. I mean, I guess what but I more broadly like. Yeah. No, you first. Okay, sorry. No, 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 please. You first. Um, just more broadly, like. I, in that piece I criticize, and in every piece that I write, Mm -hmm. I criticize a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. No, I'm definitely Um, not the only one, and I was going to get into that. Um, And again, like, I'm not asking for an apology. Don't worry, I'm not offering one. Okay, great. (laughs) Well, then, here we are. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess I will tell you, and maybe I'm coming out as a narcissist, but I have a Google alert (laughs) um, so that I I see when an article comes out that mentions my name, and I got a Google alert, and I saw Uh this. And I have to admit, Ian, it wasn't like the dreamiest way to start my day. And it was like a particularly <laughs> low confidence day. So to read that somewhere across the country, an op-ed columnist for the Stanford Daily Newspaper uh, called my unboxing videos nauseating wasn't like a wasn't like a boost of confidence, <laughs> you know? Um, but that's okay. Yeah. We're talking on the phone right Absolutely. now. And no, I didn't want to kind of give the impression that this was the, I was the only jab you took or that you were taking a jab at me personally. But yes, I do make those videos. Yeah. Um, yeah. So- so Absolutely. you were saying that you kind of like piercing your op-ed pieces with um, controversy or jabs because it'll get attention, right? Yeah. 
mm-hmm. to a certain extent. I mean, yeah. I'm not, I wouldn't, I'm not like saying things that I don't believe. Right. No, you, you stand by things. these things. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, you know, writing for the daily, the first year, um, I, I worked hard to try to figure out like what I wanted the column to be, mm-hmm. how I wanted to present myself in this. And I, you know, I criticize people in real life. I critique things. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always got like, I've got a bad word for everyone, but a, a good word for most people as well, you mm-hmm. know? And then that's a, that's an interesting distinction too, because it's like, what is the difference between critiquing and I don't know, I guess just like making fun of, you know, like I fully believe in critique. I've, I've, I think I've only grown because of critique, but, um, did you mean to critique me with the word nauseating or was it more of a put down? I, I think, okay. So I wouldn't, you know, I'm not like physically nauseated when I see your videos, (laughs) but I mean, that would be very impressive if you like vomited every time I, I released a video. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'd be a sorcerer. Um, No, but it's it's hyperbole, you Mm -hmm. know, to Mm -hmm. a certain extent. I'm not, I'm using a word that like is more negative than the actual, than the actual point that I'm making. Mm -hmm. And that said, like, I I do. I don't think that all of your videos, all of the unboxing videos, mm-hmm. like I've definitely watched some and been like, ah, that was a good line, you know, like oh. that was funny. Yeah. Um. And I and I will say too that I hadn't seen that many of them before I wrote the the piece for the Stanford Daily. Mm-hmm. Um. And after having gotten in contact with you, I watched more of them, and I think I did come to appreciate the concept hmm. more. Okay. Um. As you were saying, satire. Mm-hmm. Um. I still, you know, I stand by what I what I wrote to a certain mm-hmm. extent. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, I I think the funny thing is I've done so many other things other than the unboxing videos. I I mean, and now I think a lot of people know me for this podcast, which is great. But I feel like I still stand by all of the sentiments that I shared in the unboxing videos or, you know, I, I shouldn't say all, I'm sure there's something that I, that I might yeah. disagree with. And I, and I also want to kind of um, almost say not all uh, as an asterisk, because I want to acknowledge that I can evolve just like you can evolve, you know, like I, yeah, I mean, absolutely. where this is the most impossible question to answer, but like, how do you see yourself evolving as a writer? What kind of writer would you like to evolve to be? I think um, what I would like to evolve to be is to write longer, um, longer nonfiction, I guess. I don't want to say news per se, mm-hmm. but more like commentary. Um, less, you know, like you were saying, you do, a, you do a specific thing with the unboxing videos. You have a specific persona. And you've got a totally different one now for this this podcast, mm-hmm. and so the like acerbic, you know, in, inflammatory thing that I do in my column now, I don't want to, you know, it's already getting a bit stale to me. Hmm. And what I would like to do that's as a writer so, is be yeah. able to write longer narrative nonfiction yeah. that's less focused on my opinion and less focused on my tone, yeah, um, less focused on making jokes, huh? Um, but the the thing is, at this moment, I don't really have an outlet for that. Yeah, I have just written a piece for the Stanford Daily Magazine, but I 
found it way, way harder than I expected. Yeah. And that was also what kind of made me say, like, this is the direction that I would like to go as a writer because this is hard. And, like, writing a longer piece that's not just about making my point with, like, a flourish and, like, a, you know, like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's hard. And yeah. I want to do something hard, yeah. you know? I want to yeah. take on something that I don't know how to do and do it badly many times yeah. and eventually get to the point where I feel like I can do it yeah better yeah you know and Which I, i'm sure you understand i'm sure you feel oh, the same way oh my god in, to a certain extent completely i mean stay right there we'll be right back If you like this podcast and you want to help support it directly, you can check out our merch store. We have brand new shirts that say, Empathy is not endorsement, a mantra I've made for the show, and stickers that say what I say at the end of every episode, remember there's a human on the other side of the screen. Also, there's a shirt that has Rob Wilson's beautiful logo for our show on it. Check it all out at www.conversationswithpeoplewhohateme.com and click on Merch. All right, let's get back to the conversation. You know, I want to take on something that I don't know how to do and do it badly many times yeah. and eventually get to the point where I feel like I can do it yeah. better, yeah. you know, and which I, I'm sure you understand. I'm sure you feel oh, the same way. Oh, my God. In, to a certain extent. Completely. I mean, I, I actually find it impressive that you're able to kind of identify yourself in the moment as evolving. And I totally hear you on feeling that what you're doing is a little stale. And I totally felt that in the middle of making the unboxing videos. You know, I was like, yeah. I want to find a different, um, I want to find a different way to talk about things. And the unboxing videos just got so popular. So I was doing it and I was doing the very thing that you just identified at the beginning of this call where you were taking jabs because they would get people talking. And a lot of the things that I would do in the unboxing videos, you know, I saw would get shares and likes and comments. And and I do want to be clear that I stand by what I was saying. I wasn't, you know, lying to get these shares and likes yeah. and comments. But I but when you see something that's working, you kind of cling on to it and you're like, great, I'll keep doing this. And you just said, um, you just said that you already feel that the voice that you have adopted for the op-ed is kind of getting a little stale to you, right? Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's partly like, at first it was really hard trying to learn how to write in that form and learn what I wanted to do with mm -hmm. it. And then I figured out a thing that I could do with it. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of like easy to sit back and say, okay, mm -hmm. this is my thing now. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I understand like, I, you know, I saw your videos cause they were getting shared, mm -hmm. you know, on Facebook and stuff. And like, again, I would say that I know that you're doing this podcast now. And I recognize that like, you are also fluid in terms of what you do, which is why my job was at the video series itself, mm. you know, and not you. Um, but yeah, I don't, it's also like, I'm about to graduate. Mm. So a part of me feels like do I carve out something new here or do I just go find like a new, a new space? Yeah. You know, do I find, w will that be what it takes to like, get me to, you mm. know, get me back out of my comfort zone and get me doing something mm. really hard again? Yeah. So I, I'm kind of caught there. Yeah. I don't at all want to 
you know, I I don't at all want to like kind of play the obnoxious card of like let me give you advice. Um, no, I'll take advice, please. Okay, great. Here's the obnoxious <laughs> card. It's coming your way. Um, so I I felt similar things in college, right? I was like. I got to senior year and I freaked the fuck out. I didn't know what exactly I wanted to do. And I actually took the first semester of my senior year off. And then what I wish I knew then was that you like constantly get to evolve after college, right? So it's like, it's yeah. not like at in, at graduation from college you're hermetically sealed and cryogenically frozen and you are who you are at the end of college and you know good luck if you don't like yourself because then that's who you are but i wish people knew that more i wish people knew how much you could evolve after college i feel like i've like constantly evolved um i've had so many of my own little phases and changes since college and i hope you permit yourself to be able to do that, right? Like, so I hear you on on kind of figuring out if you wanted to, like, experiment and, and find what your thing is in college, but, like, you can continue to experiment for so long after college, you know? Yeah, yeah. I definitely appreciate that, yeah. yeah. Um, the thing, you know, the thing that, like, I'm sure you felt, too, is, like, when you're in college and you look around at the adults that you know, mm -hmm. for the most part, they're very stable. You yeah. know, you don't see, perhaps there are things going on with them. You know, they're doing different things in their life, but you don't see that. Mm -hmm. And it feels like you're entering this world of like stable public adult people who don't seem to be changing. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's just where my like fear comes from. Like I know that I, as a person can continue to change. And then also it takes like active effort every day, you know, and you, you have blind spots for yourself, you mm -hmm. know, and like you might realize, Oh, I've been doing this wrong the whole time, you know, or, Oh, I thought I was so open to change, but actually this <laughs> opportunity presented it to, to yeah. me. And like, I just didn't take it, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't know. Yeah. Um, and so I want to be open to that, but it's also just, you know, it, it's, it sometimes feels like you don't have, the the role models of people around around you who are like changing mm. you know because they're settled especially on a college campus where you know you have people who have like pretty fucking cush jobs mm -hmm. you know like lined professor up you emeritus mean. like oh oh yeah like, you mean oh, yeah, at the campus no, not like your fellow at the campus. well yeah, yeah or oh no absolutely fellow people yeah yeah i mean you know you don't know how many people i know going to work for google or facebook right, right, right. you know and they're going to be making like six figures in their first you know their first year and they're gonna have a nice house and yeah everything's gonna be good and like i don't want that because that feels like a recipe for like spiritual death mm. you know <laughs> right Which spiritual to, death to definitely like overstate it yeah. uh, but you know. Yeah. No, but that's okay. I mean, the, I feel like the theme of this is hyperbole. So spiritual death, you know, use it. Yeah. Um, so I, this is, and this may be the toughest question that I've asked this entire time. And I hated when people ask me, but do you have any plans after graduation? Um, not solid ones yet. Mm -hmm. um, I think that in the next couple of years, I want to try to teach. Mm. So in the last couple of years here at Stanford, I've done some like teaching and mm -hmm. tutoring, um, both with like my peers at Stanford, but also with um, high school kids, elementary school kids. I just find it to be rewarding on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm. And I had, I had a certain shift in my thinking probably like six months ago, 
where I was constantly, you know, stressing out about what I'm going to do five years from now or what, <laughs> what is life going to be like right. years from now. Yeah. And I realized like I had to, I have to figure out what are things I can do each day that will make each day good. And yeah. that's kind of how your life goes well. Yeah. Um, so in the next couple of years, like after immediately after graduation, I'm trying to teach English somewhere around the world, potentially English as a second language. I think my, if I could like pick any job right now, I would want to teach literature to high school students. Huh. Um, my dream would be to teach at like a boys school. Um, I, I worked with 35 boys, Australian boys this summer mm-hmm. uh, from a boys school. And they, I think boys so often are starved for different kinds of role models. Yeah. Um, and have interests that are not being met by their social circles right. or by their schools right. and society, you know, and that is something I would want to give to those, those people, those little people, you know, yeah. because like people gave that to me and that's really important to me. Mm-hmm. And I want to, you know, I want to make them have like rich internal lives, you know, read books, no matter yeah. what else they do, Yeah, but care about that stuff. Do you want to keep writing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, so like in high school, I went, I went to an art school and did creative writing for two years. Like half of my day was creative writing. And then I would get out of class and go to Starbucks and just sit there mm-hmm. and write, write, write. Mm. And I want to do that again. Mm. And I don't know what part that's going to play in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I saw, I saw a reading last night by Claire Massoud, who teaches fiction at, I think fiction at Harvard. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was talking about how her father wrote wrote all these novels and he just never, never brought them out of his desk. He never had any intention of them being published. Mm. And so that's a little bit scary. You know, yeah. you don't, the idea don't, of like, working and it not being writing. seen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and knowing that it's not going to be seen from the beginning, Yeah, you know, there's a certain fear of saying like, will it be seen? Yeah. But it's another step entirely to, yeah. to set out on something like that yeah. with the, the intention of it never being seen. So I want to continue writing for sure. Yeah. I just don't know what role it's going to play in my life. Yeah. What you just said about the woman who you saw do a reading about her father yeah. is so beautiful. And I also think unknowingly you hit onto what I think is the theme of this conversation, right? You're, you're talking about the fear of writing and it not being read, right? Yeah. And essentially we're on this call with each other because we so threw ourselves into writing that we wanted to be read that we kind of ignored when it was feeling stale. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I threw myself, I, I devoted myself to making those unboxing videos because I was um, so honored that enough people liked them and were sharing them. Now, there's, of course, a flip side to that because people didn't like them. And then on the other hand, there's you who, and this is all by your own admission, but you kind of um, take part in these jabs and these kind of like not so nice things to say and, and, you say them about a bunch of people because it was this voice you established, but it doesn't sound like it's necessarily the voice that you want to stay with, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why this conversation, I feel like, is related to what you're trying to get at with this specific op-ed, which is that you and I are talking about settling into these creative projects because of comfort. And that's exactly the same psychology behind the reason people stay in their news bubbles. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. yeah. So it's, um, I just feel like 
we are all susceptible to the same psychological inevitabilities of being human. And it's easy to kind of like stand on a hill and critique it or identify it or take jabs at it, but it's it's just true. However, however we cut it, you know that that humans seek yeah. comfort and humans seek um, kind of acknowledgement that they're doing something in the way that you do with the column and in the way that I did with the unboxing videos. Yeah, as I said in the beginning about um, you know having a guard up when I was a kid. I thought it's, I'm thinking it's funny now because I definitely had some a guard up to a certain extent um, coming into this this interview, hmm. um, and I have been pleasantly surprised by oh. how much I think we seem to have in common. Yeah. Um, so I would just say thank you for you know giving me this opportunity. It's been really cool. Oh my god, I it's a pleasure to make this. Like this is literally why. I make this show. I think it. Um, I think yeah, I feel it's that. nicer to connect with people um, rather than get a Google alert on your phone that your videos are nauseating. <laughs> this feels. Yeah. I would so much prefer this. Um, did you, when you wrote it? Did you think that I would read it? No, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Just the the fact that it was like kind of a throwaway line. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like really also just really shocking to see your name in my like Gmail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wow, Dylan Marin. Yeah, okay. there he is, that. appearing in your Gmail. Yeah. Um, do you regret writing it? No, absolutely not. I'm mm-hmm. I'm on your podcast now. Yeah, now, now here <laughs> we are, I, living know, on a podcast yeah, together. And I, and I stand by, I would say I stand by what I've, the points that I made in the piece. Mm-hmm. I stand by the way I made the points. Um, you know, it got me in your podcast. And more than that, I feel like we've had an interesting conversation. Oh, yeah. It's been... You know, you've given me a lot to think about, yeah. Um, and I hope to have done the same for you. Oh, no, you know, totally. I really value like this conversation. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I don't regret it at all. Absolutely not. Um, well, Ian, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Do you have any questions, comments, concerns um, to share with me? I don't think so. No. It, yeah, it's truly been a pleasure. Well, Ian, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today, and. Um, I guess I will see you on the internet. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, thanks again. Yeah, of course. Thanks for talking, and I'll talk to you soon, okay? Okay. okay. Bye now. Bye, Ian. If you'd like to be a guest on this show and take your own online conversation and move it offline, please visit www.conversationswithpeoplewhohateme.com for more information. Conversations with People Who Hate Me is a production of Night Vale Presents. Vincent Cascione is the sound engineer and mixer. Christy Gressman is the executive producer. The theme song is These Dark Times by Caged Animals. The logo was designed by Rob Wilson. And this podcast was created, produced, and hosted by me, Dylan Marin. Special thanks to Adam Cecil, Emily Moeller, and our publicist, Megan Larson. We'll be releasing episodes every other week, so I'll see you in two weeks with a brand new conversation. Until then, remember, there's a human on the other side of the screen. We're racing, racing through these dark times. It's hard to take it, but we're gonna make it through these dark times. Make it through these dark times. Dark time.